Hello, and welcome to the second episode of the Specialty Lens Success Podcast. I am Ted Newell, your host. Today, it is a pleasure to spend 30 informative and inspiring minutes with Dr. Roxanne Aushong Kohn. Many of you have probably heard her speak at a regional, national meeting, or read an article she wrote. Dr. Kohn is a fellow of the American Academy of Optometry, fellow of the International Academy of Orthokeratology and Myopia Control, fellow of the Scleral Lens Education Society, and fellow of the British Contact Lens Association. These are important fellowships, and they demonstrate Dr. Cohn's personal investment and commitment in this area of specialization. You have to be all in, says Dr. Cohn, when talking about specialty lenses. We cover a lot of ground in this conversation, from practice marketing to staff support to workflow to technology and advice for new fitters. I found one of her marketing techniques humorous and effective. That is when she turns around an ophthalmologist's public relations visit to her office to benefit her practice. Dr. Cohn's enthusiasm for what she does is infectious, and you can hear her smile when she talks. Dr. Cohn, her husband, Dr. Mark Cohn, and their associate, Dr. Stephen Sobel, practice at Cohn Eye Care in the Orlando, Florida area. In the show notes, I have a link to Dr. Cohn's practice and the practice email if you want to reach out to her. There are also links to her Instagram and Facebook. A couple of housekeeping notes. This podcast is produced by the fine folks at Eaglet Eye. And if you think this podcast has value and you want to share it with a colleague, simply use the share link on your podcast player of choice. Now let's get together with Dr. Cohn to find out how she turned her career and practice into a place that many patients consider their last hope for visual salvation. Dr. Cohn, welcome to the Specialty Lens Success Podcast. It's really great to have you here, and uh, thanks so much for spending time with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. And you can just call me Roxanne. Okay, Roxanne. Thank you very much. Well, as we get into this, uh, this is really interesting stuff. I mean, you are a pioneer in this business. You've been involved in specialty lenses for such a long time, and we'll get into some of those details here shortly. But just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. So I graduated from the New England College of Optometry, and I did a residency at Pacific University College of of Optometry in cornea and contact lenses. So that was about 20 years ago or so. And I had the great opportunity to work with Pat Caroline and Mark Andre and all the faculty. And I've gone back and forth over the years where I've updated myself, where they've invited me to join their research projects. And I've got to see a lot of scleral lenses and specialty lenses even after my residency. So I've I've always continued going back, updating, and it's a rare opportunity, rare opportunity that anyone has ever had. And since we're on that subject, and this isn't in the order of our notes, but I'm going to move a little bit here if you don't mind. But I thought it was interesting when you and I talked about this uh, last week in in preparation. 
is that you, when you were getting ready to do your residency, you weren't initially interested in uh, contact lenses. So what were you, what were your first thoughts about doing your residency and what did you end up actually, and how did you make this decision to go into specialty lenses and contacts? So at first I was interviewing for primary care residencies. And then I noticed that every interview I kept asking them, Hey, am I going to be seeing contact lenses? And they kept telling me you may, but maybe one or two. And I said, well, thinking to myself, I've done a lot of ocular diseases in my training in fourth year, and I trained at Baskin Palmer. So I was really confident with my ocular disease knowledge. And I wanted to know about contact lenses. I didn't know a whole lot about it. So I decided, hey, let's go into contact lenses. It's definitely a specialty. I can really help a lot more people if I go into the specialty. Awesome. Very good. And there's, and we'll talk about this in a second, but a lot's changed in in 20 years. I mean, what you were working with back then is a lot different. But let's start with a story. Um, let's start with a story that sort of captures the importance of uh, scleral lenses and why you're passionate about it. You had a great story. Yeah. So one of my, we have a lot of stories with uh, scleral <laughs> lens patients and specialty patients, but one of them really stuck out for me. One was a high-powered attorney. He used to work with the White House in the past. So this was before COVID. So I remembered he went to many uh, states. He went down south to get fitted for contact lenses. And he said, I had no idea you were in my backyard. So I actually got him fitted. He had about three enhancements for LASIK. And he had severe dry eyes. And the funny thing, he actually represented doctors who were um, with malpractice. But I was able to get him back. He said, you're my last stop here. He says, if I can't wear contact lenses, I can't see. You know, my eyes are so red. I'm in front of clients. I'm just going to have to stop practicing law. So I was able to get him fitted. And I remember this was just before COVID. And he said to me, just watch. When it when, when this is all happening, you're going to see that you're going to be wearing a mask. And I was like, no way. And he says, we're going to have to be closed down for a few months. Like, what are you talking about? So he had insights into, you know, the government and the White House. And I said, okay, I, I don't know what he's saying, but I was kind of like, you know, listening to a little bit of very cautious. And I remember when COVID happened and they started saying, yeah, you know, there were tanks rolling down in South Florida. He called me up and he called my office manager up and said, you tell Dr. Cohen, she needs to start practicing because if she were to die, I have no one to take care of my eyes. And I thought at first I was, I was really scared, but I thought at the same time, like, wow, what an honor, you know, to be helping <laughs> people out. He didn't want me to die. And I already thought about it that way. So it's, it's stories like that that makes you want to definitely continue helping people because they need the help. They're looking everywhere. So for help. Yeah, three LASIK enhancements. That guy's uh, cornea was probably a mess. Yeah, um, his eyes are severely dry too. So yes. Yeah, very good. That's a great story. Great way to start. Thank you very much. Then 21 years ago, you and your husband decided to start the practice cold. How did that go? Oh, okay. Yeah, 21 years ago, like you mentioned, it was quite different. You know, we weren't that busy at first. He was seeing nursing home, going to the nursing homes and and doing outside jobs. But slowly, as I built the specialty into the practice, 
we've gotten so busy over time. We've included new equipment. You can see some of it back here, which we can afford at the time, but now we can. And it has really grown our practice. But, you know, making that investment, the ROI is huge. You're able to fit patients at a much less space and less time overall. So they're, they're quicker to get better results. And patients who failed in the past with other doctors, they come to our practice now and we're successfully fitting them because we're able to do more customized measurements for our patients. Excellent. And for the listeners to this, behind uh, Roxanne, you'll see the, the big Eaglet Eye ESP. And it looks also like there might be, is that a MedMont topographer? Yes, there's a MedMont yeah. The, right next to it. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. So she's got all her bases covered. Excellent. <laughs> and then you added an associate a while ago, correct? Correct. We added an associate six months ago. So it's come to the point where I am so busy that I'm not accepting new patients with normal corneas anymore. So I now do, I see patients who need myopia management or specialty contact lenses because I need to do their follow-ups, of course. Because they have the highest need for vision and getting back to work, just like my attorney and many other patients. It's a, it's their livelihood. Sure. And how did referring doctors and patients, you know, first begin to learn about your skills? So I have been very involved in a lot of writing in journals. Um, I also teach. I lecture. So my name started getting out there, and I started becoming known as the expert. The other thing is, as I work with these doctors, I've visited their facilities or clinics or staff, and they've referred patients, and we co-manage patients together. So when their patients return to their clinics, they see what type of, you know, what their contact lenses look like, and they're like, wow, these lenses look really good, and the patients are doing well. So this is a successful fit. They see a lot of successful fits going through their office, so they're more likely to refer patients. So even, even doctors who are from other states they would mention like Dr. Maskin, you know, he does a lot of dry eye disease and I'm treating a patient. He, he said, wow, that lens looks awesome. I'm going to refer a lot more patients to you, even though he's in a different state right now. What state is he in? I don't remember what state he is, but <laughs> yeah, he wrote, he wrote a book on my myobian gland probing and I got okay. a copy of it from the patient. So, you know, the fact that he's, he was really happy with the scleral lenses I fitted for ocular surface disease, and he's going to refer patients as a lot. So yeah, that's great. And when you talk about referring doctors, you're talking about ophthalmologists, optometrists, both. It's a mix. It's optometrists. Um, actually, more ophthalmologists are starting to refer to you as they're getting to know my practice. But I think some optometrists are not comfortable, or they don't have the equipment to fit contact lenses, or they're not even interested. So. Once they diagnose the patient with keratoconus or, you know, they're having some type of issue, then they will refer to my facility. If you had a gut feeling for the percentage of referrals, like optometrists versus ophthalmologists, what would you say it is? Just a gut feeling. I would say the referral for optometry, maybe about 10%. And actually ophthalmology is higher okay. in my practice. I would say closer to about... 40% because they're finding those patients and I meet with a lot of their PRs and they know that I do this in my practice. They see we have the equipment when they visit our practice. So they're more likely to do it. When I go to my CE meetings locally, I do talk with the ophthalmologist when they present and I let them know what I can do. So they understand my credentials and they're more likely to refer to our practice for this reason. 
the referrals, like when you talk about somebody visiting your practice or you visiting their practice, how does that get organized? Oh, so usually a lot of the ophthalmologists, they would send a person out who represents their practice and they would drop off a bunch of business cards and oh. even come in with the doctor and then doctor will introduce himself, especially if they're a new doctor and we'll give them a quick tour of the practice and they see what we do. And that's when I, we, I mentioned to them, oh, you know, I do specialty contact lenses. You're doing anterior seg. If you have any issues with a patient where they need specialty fitting, we're able to do that. And it works both ways. So I will refer uh, my patients for cross-linking or for, you know, PKs or some type of coronal surgeries also. So again, we're working together. Okay. So what you're doing is you're turning around their, their external marketing, where they're coming to you to try to gain referrals from you. You're sort of turning that on its head and you're saying, yeah, let me show a few things and um, making sure they realize what capabilities you have. That's correct. Yeah. I never really thought about it that way, but yeah, it's, it's just, I'm trying to help our patients out as much as we can and get them back on their feet, basically. Yes. Right. That's terrific. I think that's great. Then do you, so that's them approaching you. And I think taking advantage, that's terrific. Um, what about, um, what, and then your outreach, like you said, if you went to a CE program where an ophthalmologist or another optometrist is speaking, you would, you would approach them. What other kind of referral marketing do you do? So we do some external marketing with social media. So Facebook would put up some posts on that. Um, Instagram will we'll do more internal marketing within the our patient base. So we'll let patients know, oh, we have this new piece of equipment. So if you or somebody you know of who needs some type of medically necessary contact lenses or a certain diagnosis that they might know of, that they can come to our practice. Is that in an email or a mail or? It's usually a blast email that we would send out. Okay. Yes. And you get a reasonable response to that? They may not respond right away, but usually when they come in for their eye exam, they would say, hey, I saw you saw you had this. Or, you know, I had patients say, oh, I, I got an email stating you did this type of specialty and I met someone with this. So, you know, I had another story where a patient was referred to me because they were fitted for contact lenses or as a keratoconus patient and that she was a nurse and she was taking a case history for another patient. And she saw all the equipment and she got the email and her patient said, oh, I have keratoconus. And the patient says, oh, so do I. And she says, oh, well, have you been successful with your contact lenses? Do you wear contact lenses? And she says, yeah, I have. And I go see Dr. Cohen. And so that's how she got my number. So again, it's just kind of like spreading the word. Once somebody knows about it, they're aware of it, they're, they're able to spread the word too. But we haven't actually done any paid advertising I was thinking this year of doing pay-per-click because some of my patients, they said, I was not able to find you. And then they found out through other by word of mouth. So I think it's definitely worth doing something like that, increasing my SEO with my website overall. So that's one of the plans that I'm going to be heading for this year. Yeah. And I'll just make a comment here. And that is that um, if you look at how many subspecialties they are, there are not only in ophthalmology, but now in optometry, you know, there's just so many people like yourself that are really specialized in what you do. And the patients don't know that. They come to your practice, 
I guess your husband and your associate do more of the general medical type type of stuff. So if they come into your practice and they get treated and all they get is a refraction of glasses, that's all they think that you do. You know, they all, well, I got my glasses at Dr. Cohn's office and they don't realize that at that practice, you could also get evaluated for glaucoma, for AMD, for dry eye, for, you know, they don't know all these things that you can do. And that's why I, I agree with you. I think in, internal marketing is really important. I agree. And taking that good case history, of course, is also important. And when we discover certain things, that's when, you know, our techs, they're also educated on the procedures and the costs and things like that. So, yeah, it's it's just about given the best care and then they realized, oh, then they realized I didn't, it's like you said, I didn't realize you did this and we'll show them the machines. Here's our, you know, IPL, you know, we can do this. So, because our office is pretty large overall, so we're not able to see it all, but we do bring it up with patient education. You know, something that's interesting, and I didn't do this in your area, I should have done that before the podcast, is if you go to a map and you search, you can actually search, you just put the word in uh, Google Maps for keratoconus, and all these practices come up. And I don't know how I, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you approach Google Maps or Google to get recognized so that keratoconus is linked to your business or to your practice or whatever. But um, I did do that when we were per- per- preparing for our big city tour. And I was just curious who in the area of where we're having our sessions did keratoconus. And one of my colleagues said, just put keratoconus into Google Maps. So that's just something to look into if you're looking at the CE, uh, SEO. I don't know how you do it, but there's got to be a way. Yeah, I think that's where it comes into pay per click, where you okay. do your words. I don't know what mm-hmm. they those. Yeah. And you can get to the top of the list, but you know, I've been, I've been so busy, fortunately that, I mean, I see how many new patients, uh, Starlands patients per week. I, I probably get about two or three a week and then all my past patients. So I'm a very busy clinic and, you know, I'm trying to staff right now and, you know, getting more patients. It's not like I'm dying to get more patients. I'm, I'm good right now, but of course I want to continue to grow that. Sure. Absolutely. So yeah, you are really busy if you're doing two, three, four fits, new fits per week, in addition to all the other patients. Absolutely. How does, how does your staff support you in your patients in terms of the use of the technology to, to prepare you to, to handle a patient? So we have meetings every Wednesday morning for an hour where we go over different you know, topics. So one could be specialty contact lenses, how to use solutions, um, the equipment, what it does, why we invested in the equipment. So it starts from the phone call, you know, when a patient calls, hey, I have this condition. Are you able to do this? You know, I wear scleral lenses. Are you able to help me? So they need to be very well versed on that from the very beginning because they're the ones who are making the appointments. Then they have to understand the insurances. Then they come in, they meet our technicians, our technicians go, oh, here's a machine that's going to map the cornea, the front part, and then also the white part of your eyes. So they go over all of that too. And we ex- explain to them, this is why we're doing this, because this is where the lens sits. So we can either get a more custom fit if we have to do that, or we can do a lot of different, you know, quadrant specific uh, just for your eyes. So they go over that, they go over the INRs, they go over the cost of the contact lenses, if it's not covered by insurance and insurance, what to expect, 
they do a lot of things. They, they help with all the follow visits, all the expectations. Of course, I do that, but then it's repeated again because it's a lot of information for the patient, especially if it's the first time. And they also need, they also need to understand if a patient fails in the past because they come in and we've heard it so many times. You're my last hope. I've been everywhere. I spent all this money. So they also have to understand how to deal with that patient. You know, Dr. Cohen, she's been doing this for a long time. We've heard the story multiple times. We have all your special equipment again that'll help it be more customized to you. You know, some of the doctors, they did try or maybe they didn't have the right equipment and that's why they referred you here. So let's go ahead and let's try one last time. And, you know, I would say she has a very high percentage where she's very successful and she's willing to work with you because it's a difficult procedure because your corneas are not symmetrical or round or anything like that. So we'll customize the lens for you. So there's a lot of psychology that our staff has to understand too, where we work together because they like to hear from me and also my staff so they confirm everything. So they're a huge part of the practice too. And I would choose one or two people as our main, you know, scleral lens fitters or specialty fitters versus having every staff member. Every staff member understands it, but there's also always two key members where they're always on top of everything and you know how to handle the patients and understand the psychology behind it too. In your workflow, what is your workflow for like with the ESP, for example, are you holding the eyes open? Is a staff member taking the image or are your two staff members doing it all and then turning the patient over to you? How, how does your workflow go? So like I mentioned, I have two main techs that works with the specialty patients. So they usually take all the images. Now, once in a while, we're ha we'll have a patient where it's really difficult for to keep their eyes open. Maybe they had a blepharoplasty or something like that. So I would come in and I would hold lids in some cases because they're actually better at getting the images than I am. I'm really good at holding lids open, but we work <laughs> together, of course. So yeah, we did a lot of training and they used it more than I have, but I definitely delegate it. But I, I help hold lids on occasion, but it's rare. If you're going to do an over-refraction or something, do they pull the diagnostic lens for you? Uh, they do not. What they do is they do an auto-refractor over the top, and then I decide on the final prescription. Because again, these refractions are not typical as a normal patient. They're actually pretty difficult. It's like, do I give them a sphere? Do I give them a toric? Do I do a front surface toric? So those are the things I have to determine based on the patient's answers because we know there's a lot of high order aberrations when they see uh, letters. They can read the letters, but we know there's a lot of doubling happening too. So even they say it, they will tell me, oh, I see a lot of double. So, and then I would, you know, flip the dials and say, okay, how is it this way? So I have to get that, you know, subjective feedback from the patient too. So I would rather do that versus if a patient who has a normal cornea, they can do the over-refractions for the normal corneas. When you see the patient then do you come into this room and and look at the image on the computer or do you see the image in an exam lane using user software so i have user software at my at my desk actually because okay. sometimes this, they're using the medmont so i'm not able to come to the computer and there's too many people in the room they have to turn the lights down when they do the eaglet so i analyze everything on my own computer at a separate office Okay. And you can also bring it up onto the exam rooms and we can show the patients too. So that's the other beauty of it. We can say, here's your eye and see how irregular it is. And we need more customization. So we need a freeform design because we can see it's a lot of like hills on this side, a lot of 
valleys over here. So we, you know, your lens is not going to be your typical toric. It has to be very customized. So yeah, we can explain to patients their shapes better and why certain lenses cost more than others. Okay. Let me look at my notes here. We've we've gotten through a lot of this stuff. This is really great. Tell me a little bit more about let, let's we've talked a lot about workflow. We've talked about the marketing, the word of mouth, and what you do to support it. Let's talk a little bit more just for the fun of it about the changes you've seen in the last 20 years. Oh wow, the changes. So yeah, scleral lenses didn't actually occur till after I graduated. So I had to learn a lot. And as I mentioned before, I had to go back to Pacific University. So after about a decade, I spent two weeks out with Pat Caroline and he taught me everything. And I remember in one day, I saw 10 scleral lens patients. And again, just learning it that quickly. I mean, I had the background, but seeing it live was priceless. So in the past, we fit a lot more spherical haptics, and now we know it's more toric haptics, and now we're coming to more freeform. And the new designs now, it's it's so it's so customized. And the great thing about it too is you can do channels, you can do fenestrations, because as we're learning more and more, how do you decrease fogging? How do you increase lens suction? So it's really exciting. So things in the past where I would tell a patient, well, this is the best I can do. I know you have a little redness kind of, you know, it's not too bad, just use drops and we we kind of manage, but now it's better. So I recently had a patient, a lot of redness. He says, it didn't matter what they did. I went to three doctors. I continuously had the redness. I had the fogging. I did a freeform design on him with my eaglet. And for the first time ever, I saw him last week. I got him fitted after two lenses and he's, and I, I said, wow, your eyes are white. And he says, yes, no one's telling me my eyes are red anymore. They told me I always had a pink eye. I told him it was my contact lens. So again, just having this equipment and this, you know, high resolution data that that it produces, it's it's priceless. Patients are happier. You know, I feel great about it. Again, he he's he says he he feels better about himself because he doesn't always have to hide his red eye anymore or put drops in to conceal it. So yeah, I love how all this, you know, new technology and the latest research has come out and has helped us be better scleral lens fitters. And what about, um, what do you th- think about the future? I mean, when you, you say you're involved a little bit with Pacific and some other, uh, the sessions that they have and some of the research that it's done, when you look out into the future, uh, what do you think we're going to see in the future for scleral lenses and sp- uh, other specialty lenses, ortho-K, uh, RGPs, whatever? So I think definitely everything will be more freeform. I think there'll be more um, equipment similar to this, you know, to the eaglet, maybe handheld devices where we can do 3D scans, like at the dentist, because, you know, I'm actually going to go see the dentist today and (laughs) they did a 3D scan on my teeth and I thought that was amazing. So again, I, I think there'll be less impressions maybe over time and more using AI intelligence and um, yeah, just learning more and more as to, you know, how can we help with their eyes? Does it affect pressure too? I think there'll be technologies also not just helping them see, but also helping them with dryness, releasing um, drops into their eyes, checking pressure over time. I mean, I think it's going to be amazing in the future. Awesome. That's terrific. 
once you have, we're going to go back to workflow. Sorry for dividing this up a little bit, but once you have image the patient, you have an, you have your prescription, you, you've selected the lens that you're going to use for this particular patient. Um, now it's time to work with the lab. How do you work with the labs? So there's different ways you can work with the lab. So if you run into an issue, the great thing, another important piece of equipment you'd like to have is an, is an anterior seg OCT and anterior seg camera. So you can always shoot pictures over to the to the lab and say, hey, what do you think about this? You know, and, and the OCT is really great because I can tell exactly which quadrant I need to raise up. So if I notice, I can measure it to the micron. I can say, I need to raise quadrant two up 200 microns, or I need to decrease it 400 or whatever it is and the central clearance. So it's it's very customized like that. So the way I also work with the labs is that we can send this information to the labs and they can give recommendations. So I would, I, I've become pretty good at it. So I would tell them more, it's like, this is what I want to do. I would say, oh, I see about three millimeters of compression. So if you're not sure about how much to change it, they would say, oh, well, let's let's change it two steps or whatever, 300 microns, whatever they think their lens can do. So working in labs with the consultants is great. They're really good too in that they provide warranties for their lenses. Sometimes they will provide exchanges at no charge. Some labs, you have to send lenses back. I think that's becoming less and less. Other labs recommend that you have to submit uh, an invoice and get a credit that way, so you kind of have to keep track. Um, the labs also give really good support. Maybe you're out of your warranty period, and maybe a patient was not having a great time with putting their lenses in and out, and they kept breaking it. You know, they would recommend thicker lenses or to say, okay, we'll warranty it this one time. So they're willing to work with you. So I think they're very helpful to your practice overall. And do you find that sort of across all labs or do you think some labs are different than others? No, I think all the labs, they have been very helpful. I mean, they, they do want to have our business and you want to build a good relationship. So if you pick two or three labs you work with and you do a lot of scleral lenses, they will work with you. Okay. Yeah. That's a general impression I've got. I mean, my experience in this business is sort of short. I've, I was more on the retina side of the business prior to this, but uh, from meeting lab people, I agree with you. It just seems like they're very service oriented people. Well, we've covered a lot of ground. I was going to ask you, you know, what advice do you have for newer, especially lens fitters as they're starting their practice and getting organized and, and trying to gain customers? So I would say to the newer practitioners, and if you want to get into it, first you want to contact a lab and then you want to get a fit set because you want to put those lenses on. Sometimes the labs will provide a consultant where you can line up three or four patients for the day and they will come to your office and they will fit those patients and you can learn from them. Again, having that anterior psych photo or an anterior psych OCT, again, just communicating with the labs constantly saying, hey, I see this. What, what do you think I should do? And showing them the pictures, they can say, you can learn from them over time. They would tell you, let's make this adjustment based on this here and just learn how they do it. And you can become very versed in their design. And don't be afraid to invest in equipment. Some I know we're thinking, oh my God, it's... 20,000, whatever it is. I can't remember off the top of my head. And yes, it's a lot of money, but as you put your time and you know energy into learning about the lenses, it's really rewarding 
for the, you know, as I mentioned in the stories before, but also the ROI is huge. We know that specialty contact lenses, they pay a lot more than a comprehensive eye exam. So you're going to have to see a lot more patients to be equivalent to the same. So I know it's challenging, but again, it's really rewarding because as you get better, you get faster and you can nail the fits down in a quicker uh, time with your equipment instead of trying to guessing, well, I'm not sure what to do because I think I might have to do it this much. Invest in equipment, get those fits done. And then a lot of doctors are going to start saying, wow, you're doing so well at it. I'm going to restart referring more patients to you. So don't be afraid to invest in equipment, but you definitely got to put your time and you know, learn from mentors. You can go to meetings. There's Wu University. There's a GPLI. You can learn from uh, the GSLS. Just going to local meetings too, workshops. There's so many ways you can learn about these. And just a lot of webinars online, they're free now too. So, I mean, it's endless. So it's putting your time in it. You have to be passionate about it because it's a steep learning curve at first, but once you get it, it, it's just amazing. And it's the best and most rewarding thing in our profession, I I think. That's awesome. And when it comes to the way you've equipped a practice, that's also something you can market to. You're referring physicians, as you said earlier, that's something you can show off to people. Uh, that you've got the equipment to do the job in addition to the skills and the judgment and so on and so forth, which comes with time. When it comes to meetings, which meetings do you tend to uh, go to every year? So the meetings I attend every year is the GSLS, the Global Specialty Lens Symposium. That's usually in Las Vegas. So I go to that every year. I also go to Vision by Design. I go to the American Academy of Optometry. So those are my main meetings I go to. And there's just little meetings and webinars I may just go on to. Um, I, I love the GPLI. I'm on the advisory board. There's a lot of good webinars on that too. If you become a member, so that's something I'd highly recommend. They would provide materials for you on scleral lens insertion um, you know, and removal. They'll give you cards. You can get reading cards from them, review webinars at your own pace. So it, it's there's so much out there and you need to take advantage of it. Okay, excellent. Uh, that would actually somebody from GPLI might be a good uh, interview subject for the podcast, huh? What yeah. Do you think? Yeah, okay. definitely. <laughs> okay. Well, Roxanne, this has been terrific. Any other final comments that you have? Well, I do have one more uh, comment. Is that again? You know, I think if you want to get into specialty, you really have to be all in. You can't just say, "I kind of want to get into it and kind of see." It's it's either you're in or you're out. So, you know, understand the process, understand what's involved, you know, what, how much, how much you have to invest of your time and money into it and then go for it. And if you go all in, I would say it's totally worth it. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time. This has been terrific. And I think we've all learned a lot. I've I've learned a ton just with the preparatory call that you and I had and then in this uh, interview that we did here today. So again, Roxanne, thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. And hopefully I can be of help to anyone. If you want to reach out to me, I'm here for you. Are you all in? If you listened between the lines, you hear a lot of Dr. Cohn's investment in herself. Going back to Pacific University, going to Congresses, getting fellowships, investment in technology, 
it has all paid off in a thriving and rewarding practice. Thank you for spending time with Dr. Cohn and me today. Hopefully one or two points in this conversation resonated with you. Now, put some of the things you learned today into practice. Until next time.